Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. How are you, Mace? Doing all right. Broke a little equipment before I came in here, so... You didn't break it. I didn't, just... do, it on, I didn't do it on purpose. It actually really wasn't my fault, but thanks to Danny, uh, Mr. Fix-It, we have this thing all hooked up and ready I to mean, go. You, the microphone came off. Danny put it back on. I know. Did so in the commercial. It was completely inadvertent. There's, you know, there's there's nothing to worry about. Everything everything is okay. By the way, I've been thinking more and more about this uh, Pancha Karma thing that Aaron Rodgers did. Yeah. yeah. And you're planning on doing it? Uh, it loses me at the vomiting. Well, yeah. I pretend, mean, pretend you're bulimic. I mean, the the you know the 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 eating nothing but ghee for a few days. Um, yeah. well. The uh, the enemas, the, let, the let me know the how cleanse. Goes. You know, I mean, I, I'm down for that. The, the vomiting is where it loses me. Well, yeah. Let me know how it goes for you. Maybe you just take out the vomiting and you do an eight day cleanse. I actually misheard it when he was talking on Tuesday as well. Right. I thought he was talking about a puncture of karma, oh, like a like gotcha. like, and that led to his statement, like, like like something happened and it was a karmic, metaphorically speaking, a karmic puncture to him, right? I, I thought yeah. he said Sancho Panza, but that's a whole different conversation. Oh my goodness. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Well, clearly it wouldn't be a show if we didn't talk about Aaron Rodgers, right? Diana Rossini of ESPN <laughs> is reporting. Aaron's going to make his decision in the next week or so, and the Packers have received multiple trade offers. Rossini also uh, said that uh, Rodgers wants over $50 million a year, something that I talked about three weeks ago. So, Diana and to everybody else, welcome to the party. I talked to a guy, a longtime sportscaster in Wisconsin yesterday, said, just so you know, and you can put it out there, Rodgers wants over $50 million a year. He said, really? And then I saw him put it on Twitter today. With that, if Rodgers is traded, would this be the most significant trade in sports history when you consider a lot of different factors? How the player's playing at the time? Is he in his prime? What was given up in the trade? Did the trade of the player net a title? Did the team trading the player win a title because of the deal? So on and so forth. I have a list of five that I think is pretty rock solid. Do you have a list? I don't have a list, but uh, it's tough to dislodge for me mm -hmm. the Wayne Gretzky trade to Los Angeles in 1988. That is number one on my list. Gretzky was 27 in his prime and had won eight consecutive heart trophies. Mm -hmm. okay. And not only that, one of the ramifications of the trade was literally expanding the sport beyond its Canadian after, and northern core. After he was traded. Right. That was the offshoot. Yeah. The, the Anaheim league, the Ducks, Phoenix, yeah. Tampa. Yeah. The NHL is 32 teams today in part because of that deal. Right. So, yeah, that that's tough. To, that's tough to take out of the number one spot. Do you want to give? Want me to give you my five? But I'll do it. 
five up. Yes. Okay. Because we both agree Gretzky's number one, although you can make the case. What's number two could be number one. Mm -hmm. With that, I'm going to go local here Okay. in a roundabout way. After looking into it, I had no idea the long tentacles of the Eric Lindros trade to the Quebec Nordiques in 1992. Now, a lot of people believe that Pierre Lacroix made the deal. He did not. It was a Pierre, but Pierre Paget mm -hmm. made the deal for the Nordiques. Yeah. With that, I'm going to tell you who came back in the trade and what came back, and then eventually what it led to in terms of players. Mm -hmm. The Nordiques got Peter Forsberg, Chris Simon, and Mike Ricci, and a pair of first-round picks from the Flyers. Would you like to know what that netted? Meaning the first-round picks? Take the yeah. first-round picks or the players, and then you trade them and pick up more pieces. Yeah. It netted Adam Deadmarsh, Uwe Krupp, Alex Tangay, Patrick Waugh, Mike Keane, Claude Lemieux, and Ray Bork. Pretty good. Pretty good. Literally two championships as a result of that trade. And that's number five. Yeah. Number four on my list will be Aaron Rodgers. He's a two-time MVP. In the history of football, a player of his caliber coming off two MVPs mm -hmm. has never been traded. He is no. number four. Number three would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He won a title with Milwaukee. He was already a three-time MVP and the reigning MVP before being traded to the Lakers. And then he helped L.A. win five titles and won two more MVP awards. And he was an example way back of somebody who part, part of the deal was he just simply wanted to play in some specific cities. He wanted to play in New York or Los Angeles. Right. Didn't want to stay in Milwaukee anymore. Number two on the list, the Babe Ruth trade. Now, let's go back in time for a minute. He was traded after the 1919 season. Babe Ruth was just becoming a great hitter at the time. He was already a dominant pitcher. All right. The year before he was traded. He hit 322, 29 home runs and 113 RBI. To put that into perspective, he led the league that year. He led baseball, home runs, RBI, and on-base percentage at like 460-something. The guy who came in second place in home runs had 12. Yeah. The guy who came in third place had 10. Babe Ruth became the hitter that he is with the Yankees. He was a phenomenal pitcher with the Red Sox, and he just started to become a hitter in his final year before he was traded because Boston's owner was in a financial crunch because he invested in the Broadway musical No No Nanette. Actually, it's not No No Nanette. It's not. It's It was another play called My Lady Friends. Either way, he was in a pickle and he had to trade his best asset and that was Babe Ruth. So, mm -hmm. if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, I'd put him fourth all-time. Fourth all-time. Yeah, and that... And the funny thing is we're not even including the Herschel Walker deal. But part of that was because Herschel Walker, we're not talking about an MVP, a very good player at his time. Yes, but not an MVP type of player. You know player. what, though? I, I, I took a deep dive into that. Yeah. And it's not what everybody thinks it is. It really isn't. They got a lot of picks, but hold on. Who did it net? It netted Emmett Smith. Mm -hmm. And it netted, uh, was it Woodson? Not Charles Woodson. Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson. And those are the only two great players out of that entire hall. That's it. They got a bunch of nice players, but nobody terrific. The The significance of, of that trade, it's not necessarily about what they got in terms of the players. I'm talking about it's, how they drafted. Right. But no, but it's what they it's it's what that did for how everybody perceived draft capital. 
fair. It's more of a significant trade because of how it altered people's thinking about draft capital and even about running backs and, and how valuable they really were because that was still in the era where as it was as much as a quarterback, if you had a running back, you thought, okay, we, we've got what we need to win the Barry whole thing. Barry Sanders was in his prime. Yeah, just or just go, going into yeah. his prime. And what did Detroit do? We were about Norman Thomas yeah. was becoming yeah. a great running back. We were but we were we were coming to gradually coming toward the end of the era of real of say of the Bell Cow running back. That right. that faded in the nineteen nineties and it kind of died in the two thousands. And now right. look where we are. Now I want to go back to Aaron Rodgers and the fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Something dawned on me as I was driving in today. Most people consider Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time. Right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because he Super won. Bowl wins, yep. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, Tom Brady may not be the greatest quarterback of all time. You know what he is? You know why he won seven Super Bowl titles? Not because he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the biggest biggest winner of all time? He's the least greedy. Because he took less money. That's right. Took and that's what made value. me think of Aaron Rodgers. He wants $50 million, That's fine. But you're not going to be able to pick up a couple of players to help you win a Super Bowl title mm-hmm. because you need to have 50 million. God bless you. You've won back to back MVP awards, and I get it. But if I am not mistaken, Tom Brady was never or rarely ever a top 10 paid player on his own team in an era where quarterbacks got paid. Mm-hmm. So, Tom Brady, if you want to argue he's the, the greatest quarterback of all time, but your only metric is Super Bowl titles, you have to combine he was also the least greedy. Because the Patriots, if we're being completely honest, in Brady's prime, they weren't drafting great players at that time. They were bringing in guys who were free agents, like a Randy Moss. Wes Welker was not drafted. Rob Gronkowski was. But they weren't crushing it in the draft. The Patriots were not. They had to bring in more than a few free agents. They drafted Hightower. I get that, but they had to bring in a bunch. They had to bring in a lot of free agents, and Brady allowed that. Now they did trade for Randy Moss from the I, Raiders. No, I understand that. Yeah, but mo- but most of the but they weren't and their free agents weren't high level guys either. They were great role players. Yes, do a specific job. Right, right, and and they they kind of they they were I wouldn't say bargain bin shoppers, but they were. They were looking for things that other teams weren't looking for. Well, you know what? The, pa- it, the You call it the Patriot way. Yeah. They had their system. Yep. They were looking for certain type of players. I'm going to take you back to emphasize that point. I was told this by Brian Zanders. When Josh McDaniels came in, remember he was loaded with picks? Yeah. Okay, because of the Jay Cutler trade? They were loaded with picks, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And you can make the case they completely botched it, mm-hmm. right? They took Sean Marino and Robert Ayers. And then they had another pick, either later in the first round or early in the second round. And that guy was a complete bust. He was a cornerback. I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? Alfonso Smith. If you ask Josh McDaniels today, because this is what Brian Zanders told me, McDaniels will admit, I blew that draft. Now, here's why. Because when McDaniels came in, The Broncos had a way of drafting like almost every team in the league. Mm -hmm. The Patriots have a very different way of drafting. And McDaniel said to Xanders, we need to draft the way New England does. Xanders, 
had to come up, had to put together an entire system in a short amount of time. Remember, McDaniels was hired in January. The draft is in April. And he got full control over the draft in February because it was a few weeks later when they fired Jim Goodman and gave it all to McDaniels. So Brian Zanders was scrambling to put together this new system, and they were not prepared for the draft. Yeah. That's what Zanders told me. They were not prepared for the draft, and Josh McDaniels, if you're sitting right here, would say, we were not as prepared as we needed to be because we didn't have the time to do it. Now, the 2020 or 2010 draft with a full year, they, for the most part, they nailed that. Draft. Exactly. That was the Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Zane Beatles, and some guy named Tebow draft. And J.D. Walton. Yeah. So they with, found starters in a day three. So yeah. my point is that system works. It's the Patriot way. They're looking for certain guys, mm-hmm. whether it's free agency, trades, or the draft. But that's why the 2009 draft wasn't that good, because Xanders couldn't get that whole system in place the way McDaniels wanted to. It's kind of exhibit A of why you don't see this with all teams, but there are many teams that over the over the last decade or so, if they made a move as to the general manager, it often happened right after the draft. Like Brian Xanders, for example, the Broncos did not let him go until after the 2012 draft. And how the 2013 draft turned out. Piss poor for I, I, a lot of teams, including, of teams. The, including the Broncos. No question. I mean, the Broncos, frankly, they can't. their first round pick wasn't as bad as most teams was because they found a four-year starter. A solid player, Sylvester Williams, nothing great. But when you look around and look at that first round, that pick doesn't look so bad. Right. No, I, yeah. I, I, would, I would agree yeah. with you there. But it... It but fell, let me ask you it something. Fell off quick, it fell off quickly. Well, hold on, hold on. How how was the next draft without Brian Sanders? Bradley Roby, he was good, fine, yeah. fine. Cody Latimer, bust. Schofield, bust. Lamine Barrow, bust. Schofield's Matt, still around the league, so he's basically kind of what he. Michael Schofield would best pick. be remembered being turned into a turnstile right. by Khalil Mack. Matt Paradis was terrific. That was a big hit in the sixth round, and Corey Nelson was meh. Seventh round pick. Special teamer. He basically is exactly what you hope for from the seventh round. How'd the following year go? Shane Ray, injured. Tyson Brylow, Jeff Hireman, Max Garcia, who was all right. Seven Lorenzo Doss, Darius Kilgo, Simeon Torrey, Nixon, Josh Furman. They they should not have let go of Brian Sanders. I agree. Period. Yeah. All right, coming up after the break, CBS Sports did a really interesting article, and it is titled... NBA's 10 most intriguing stretch run storylines. The Nuggets are in it. What did they say? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friend Dan McKenzie, McKenzie Law. I've been talking about him for a long time. And you don't have to be my age, 53. If you have kids or if you own a business or if you have something of any value at all, 
I'd highly recommend you put together an estate plan so the courts don't decide where things go. You want to make that decision on your own. And even if you're 22 years old, you should sign a living will because if God forbid you're in a vegetative state and you don't want to live in a vegetative state, you want to make sure somebody has the ability to pull the plug as well. So there are lots of reasons to go with Dan. I met with more than a few estate planners and he was hands down the best by far, explained everything. He was patient with me, which Mace, as you know, is difficult to do. Go with Dan McKenzie at the McKenzieFirm.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. CBS Sports had an article titled, quote, NBA's 10 most intriguing stretch run storylines. One of them was about the Nuggets. This is what was written. Denver is three games back of the number three seed with the easiest remaining schedule. I believe out of 24 games, they have nine on the road. That's just off the top of my head. I think that sounds right because it came out of my mouth. This becomes a lot more interesting when you consider Jamal Murray and or Michael Porter could be coming back before the playoffs. If both of those guys come back and are even close to the players we know they can be, Denver becomes a legit a legit threat to win the West and compete for a title. Nikola Jokic, for my money, has been the MVP to this point. Nobody's talking about the Nuggets. If they make a run over the final stretch and get their second and third best players back, that will change. You buying that? I'm buying it, yeah. Yep. The soft soft schedule is a thing. Now, what is interesting is that the home road split that we often see from the Nuggets hasn't been the case this year. They're two games above 500 on the road. They're six games above 500 at home. A little bit of a difference, but not not one where you say, "Oh, whoa!" Like, and there are some years you look at the home road splits for the Nuggets, and you're like, and you're blown away. And part of it is, it's tough to play basketball at 5,280 feet to run up and down the court 48 minutes. It's always a great built-in home court advantage that the Nuggets have. Well, it's a lot easier to do it when you don't have a great roster to run that other team out of the gym. Right. I think that plays a major role. But even in some bad years, they've, there's there's a pretty decent split. I do, I, if Murray and Porter both come back and they are 75% to what they used to be, mm-hmm. I don't think they'd get by the Suns. They need to be 90% to where you're talking about contending for a title. 70, 75% is going to set themselves up for a heartbreaking playoff loss in the Conference semifinals or the conference finals. They're, 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 yeah, they're, they're in a, and yes, they did just beat the Warriors, but they're not beating the Warriors or the Suns in a seven-game series right. with them at any. I think it's Murray and Porter at any less than ninety percent. Just for the point of this conversation, let's say they're at a hundred percent. I still don't think they beat the Suns, and here's why: if the Suns are a hundred percent, because right now CP 3s out, right. If they're at 100%, they don't beat the Suns, and here's why. Not because those guys aren't playing to their potential. It's because they haven't played much together as a unit all year. And I think that takes time to develop. Do you think that 
I mean, think about this. Well, no, but I'm, no, but you you say it, it's in, and it's a good, it's a really good point because it doesn't can happen over. Can I add to it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, throwing Aaron Gordon. Jamal Murray has played eleven games, I believe, with Aaron, with Aaron Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, so he has to he has to get in sync with Gordon too. Do you think that really when we talk about chances to win a championship this year could have been that if they were healthy, but now it kind of comes down to next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. That maybe that was a t- it was a two year window that now has become a one year window. Yeah, as for uh, to optimally win a title with this particular quartet, I, I don't think that's an unfair statement. I do think that one of the reasons why Tim Conley gave Michael Porter Jr. a max deal was he saw those eleven games those four guys played together, and he's like, "Man, we got something. We can have everybody under contract." And then Jamal Murray blew out his knee. Mm-hmm. I think 11 games isn't enough of a sample size. Teams go on runs. Um, I, I like that. I like that quartet of guys, but I'm not ready to give a guy a max deal after 11 games. But they did. So this right. is this is the reality you have to live with now. Right. I talked an to... injury prone player who has a max deal, and that's the and that's the key thing. It's not question. Two it's, guys. Two injury-prone players. but One and, one guy's prone, the other guy was injured. Yeah, that's it, fair. Michael Porter Jr. is injury-prone, and Michael Porter Jr. has significant back concerns. I mean, that that that's a red flag. That's the, that's the red flag that's the only reason you got him in the first place. Right. Right. Otherwise, he's a top-three pick. Okay. Let's say Michael Porter Jr. can't come back. Sake of argument. Listen, they're not winning a title if Michael Porter Jr. can't come back because I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. win it with Murray, Gordon, and Jokic. I don't think they get by the Suns. But do you even bring Murray back? Personally, I think you sit him. Now, watch. They're, they're going to make a run to the Western Conference Finals with Murray, and I'm going to look like a <laughs> schmuck, which honestly happens quite frequently. Right, Danny? Not that frequently, no. but it happens. But no. It happens. no. More than enough. Come on. I, don't be so hard on yourself. I, I think Murray should, if you're going to, if you believe you can win a title next year, Mm-hmm. And you believe that you can't this year, or it, it's pretty remote. Mm-hmm. You, you shoot for next year. You let this guy rehab and do what he needs to do. He'll be one year out from that torn ACL. At the same time, I mean, he'll when he comes back. If you follow that plan, he actually returns eighteen months after he tore the ACL because the ACL happened early April of last year. Right. We're at so. It's not eighteen months. It's no. If if you don't bring him back, oh yeah, oh yeah. If you don't bring him right. back, right, right. I mean, I'm not saying that there's such a thing as too long, but I mean, we are we are at eleven full months here in two weeks. Right. Isn't that enough for an ACL? You're asking me is that is that enough? That usually time is for enough recovery? to come back. Well, eleven in, months in football, it is. Yeah, you're right. In football, it is. But you're not cutting in football like you do in basketball plus you're going full speed all the time and in football you run a play maybe it's not even going to you you're running half speed that then you get the play clock going i mean i mean i, I, I mean how, how much football are you really playing when, when know, it comes down to it we know that like in a, in a football game there's an average of about 26 minutes of action right and then divide that by two because you're only on one side of the ball right but if you're playing if you're playing 
in the playoffs, 40 minutes, mm -hmm. you're going full speed up and down the court having to play both ends. At the same time, part of the rehab process is getting him readjusted and, and working him back to, full, to, to a full night's worth of work. You're going to have to do that sometime, whether it's 18 months out or 11 months right. out. That's what the preseason's I, for. I think that's what training camp. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I think there, I think if he, if he is at the point where the next step in, and I think this is true of his rehab based on what I know, the next step in his rehab is actually getting out there and playing and increasing those minutes. Right. Getting so, into game shape. Get, so basically I think go ahead, especially now that they appear to be in pretty good playoff position. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to fall out of the top six. I don't think so either. So, if he's at the point in the, in the rehab where the next step is naturally getting him in out there for games and working him up, then I think you go ahead and start that in in the next two weeks. Okay, and, I, I'm and, I, I would and, err and then, more on the yeah. side of caution. I just would, I'm saying like you play him like the first time the first night he's back, play him ten minutes like ten minutes right. That's about how much you can expect, and then slowly build on that. And maybe by the postseason he's at. 28 minutes. Let's like. let's put something in perspective. Next Tuesday is March 1st. Yes. Seems hard to believe, doesn't it? Next Tuesday is March 1st, and he hasn't been cleared yet. It's going to take him two to three weeks to get into game shape to be able to play 10 to 15 minutes. So now, as I said months ago, through people who I talked to who are very much in the know, if he comes back, it'll be late March, early April, and honestly, we are on target for that if indeed they decide to bring him back. If you don't feel you have a chance to win a title, don't put him out there. Well, I think what you're saying, I, I agree that you don't have a chance to win a title without him right now. I don't think you have a chance the, to win a title with well, just that's, him anyway. Well, that's, but that's the key thing. I don't like, think if, you get out of the West. If you, well, first of all, if you've begun building him back, then you put yourself in a position to take advantage. If something like what happened last year in the postseason happens to everybody else, what was a big part of why the Suns got to the finals? Injuries. The, the seed right. parted, and they played three teams that were at about 70 to 80% mm -hmm. at best. Right. And then when they ran into a full-strength team in the Bucks, they got punched out in the end. Sometimes that title is going to come or that title shot will come because maybe things happen elsewhere and you want to be in position to capitalize, right? And if you don't and if and if Jamal Murray if you just said, "Well, he's coming along fine. He's on schedule, but we're just going to wait another 5 months." What? You might let an opportunity slip away. But okay, let me let me put it another way, piggybacking off of what you said. What you are doing is you're going to try him. You're going to try getting him on the court when he may not be fully ready with the hopes that other teams have injured players. Well, I said if if the next step is he, it's time for him to play, he's ready to play, then you put him out there. I don't, I think what, what it sounds like you're saying is that, okay, he's cleared and can be ready to go, but we just want to sit back and, and wait. I don't think there's value to doing that. If he's absolutely positively ready to go, then go. If he if he's going to go out there at ninety percent, don't go. Hundred percent, absolutely, I'm with you. How many guys are at hundred percent at the end of a season anyway? 
This isn't football. I know it's not football. This but isn't it's, football. It's not. It, it's it's not a sport where, but it's also not a sport where you're just sitting there resting and relaxing. I mean, you you put a lot of strain on your joints. If, okay, guys need guys need to rest after a season. I'll, I'll lower it. If he's only seventy five percent back from his injury, then you don't put him out. Well, there. It, yeah. If it's seventy five percent, we're not talking about him even being cleared. Well, as we I get did, to about ninety percent, that's where you're. If it's really, at the cleared stage, it's okay. Let's. Let's start working you up and, and get you to game and get you to game speed here. If they feel he is healthy enough where they don't anticipate any setback, then yeah, I'd put him out there. But you're only a month out. You're only a year out from that injury. Anyway, coming up after the break, Patrick Saunders had a very interesting tweet last night having to do with the lockout. He talked to one of the owners about potentially delaying the start of the regular season for baseball. And if you're a baseball fan, you are not going to like what this this uh what this agent told Saunders about what he believes the owners are thinking right now. That's next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. Milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Mace Denver. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Colorado Off-Road in Littleton. If you need major accessory brands or something off-market for your truck, car, Jeep, or SUV, they've got it. Upfit today at Colorado Off-Road or go to cooffroad.com. All right, Patrick Saunders put out on Twitter last night that he talked to a couple of agents about the lockout. Saunders said, one agent told him he doesn't think the owners really care about the start of the season because of the weather and the small crowds. How much of it all, Mace, does this surprise you? Probably depends on the owner. I would think so, too. I think they may care about this in Los Angeles, for example, San Francisco, New York, Boston. Uh, I'm not sure they care much about it in Minnesota, Cleveland. Tampa. Tampa Bay, well, yeah, Tampa Bay, and the weather's really nice. Well, they—it's just nobody goes. <laughs> well, they—they part of the problem is early April. Miami, people, yeah, the, right? At least in Miami, they can open the roof because people want to be outside right. up until about first of May, right? And they would actually—that would actually be a great month. And then, of course, and then of course, schools, schools. How being about Kansas session. City? Yeah. How about Kansas City? I think they would be fine losing the first month. So at least that. the midweek midweek draws, even all the way down to Atlanta, you see a you see early season midweek attendance is lousy. So if the owners really feel this way, why not just negotiate shorting the season? Well, because they lose money in other ways. They lose- well, wait, they're, they're going to lose money if they don't care about the start of the season. Yeah. So, so you, you, you but, can't pick both. Well, no, the thing, well, the thing is they, they like the revenue that they get from, from television contracts. But I think what we're saying is that there are some teams for whom if they cut off the first month of the season, it uh, might not, it might not affect their bottom line. The money they make from the television contract 
of a schedule that is 162 games that by open it by having the staff and open the gates and and have all that it would be a, a net positive if they played but hold on base they're going to lose the television revenue too right they're so, going so but there's, i'm saying that the tel- that what they lose in terms of having to open up the venue when hardly anybody walks in but right so, is is not necessarily offset by the television all of the water is in the same boat if you don't want to start the season because yeah. of weather and small crowds, you're going to lose the streaming revenue. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose the television revenue. And but then that, they're not having to pay all their game day staff. Okay. So if that's how they feel, then why not just shorten the season? That's a good point. I can't answer that. I don't know what they're thinking. I'm just trying. I'm trying to wrap my arms around why they would think this, and the ration and the only rationale I can come up with that makes any bottom line sense is if for these teams. What they would, what they, what they would make from television for those early season games is not offset by the cost of opening it up for a small audience. You know what? In I, person, I'd have no problem starting the season in May. And honestly, I'll, hold on, yeah. starting it in May and ending it in August, and then you have your playoffs in September. Weather's nice. You're in the playoffs. I know the football season has started, college and pros, but you got playoff baseball. That'd be cool. It would be cool. But there, there's also a certain point where they say, okay, we have to play, that we need X. There's there's a, there's a, a sweet spot, and maybe the sweet spot is 150 games. I don't know. I I do wonder, though, because in September, the weather's still summer. It's basically summer, right? I get it. Um, would you rather go head-to-head I, I, against I w- football in September or October? You'd rather go in September because the games don't have as much meaning. There we go. So you go from May until August. See, you start your I'm playoffs th- in What September. I'm thinking is, though, I'm thinking if you're cutting a month off the season, which let's say you're going to be cutting two months off. No, I, that's what you're saying. I'm saying cut a month off. But I say cut the whole thing. Well, good for you. But ha- but there's a way that you could get in. <laughs> there's a way that you could get in, say, a, a 150 game season and start it right around May 1st. With more double headers, yeah, right. No, I get that. Yeah, there've been there've been more double headers the last two years than we've seen in generations in baseball. Somehow it didn't send the sport flying off the axis because you had but off its axis because you had to play a bunch of, of day night double headers. Danny, would you have a problem if they shortened the season? No, but I'm just a baseball casual, so I'm. I can promise you, you're in the minority. I mean, the majority. <laughs> You're in the yeah, majority. I, yeah, I honestly think that a smaller season might be better for them in some ways. I mean, minor league season is about, what, 140 games? Something like that. I think 140 games is, is enough to where you you have enough of a sample size to to sort the teams and the playoff the teams that get in don't have flukes. You know the what? 60 game, we did the 60-game season, and you had some flukish outcomes. Mace, if you're going to go down the road of, the sample size <clears throat> in the NFL, they only have 17 games. Well, they have 17 They games. only have 17 that, games. That's all they can have because the, the limits of the human body playing a collision sport are such to where you but, can't but, play But anymore. you can still determine who the best teams are after 17 games. So it's not about the sample size. You can go down to seven. Heck, you can go down to 82, <laughs> right? You can easily go down to 82. How many games do the Rapids play? Uh, 34. There you go. You could do it at 34. 
You can do it at 17, well, I mean, every, 34, everything, 82. Everything's arbitrary. But ba- but it's baseball, the tradition of baseball. Well, and it's not just the tradition of baseball. The nature of baseball is is as an everyday sport. Okay. that's what. But it doesn't have to be. Again, our national pastime is P-A-S-T hyphen T-I-M-E. It's past its time. Actually, And these yeah. owners... These owners and players are treating the fans like garbage. I mean, personally, I don't want to see a lim- the, the I don't I don't want to see the the number of games and thus and thus the number of tickets limited. I want to see t- tickets go up. If they cut the number of games, the tickets are going to skyrocket. Trust me, they will. Okay, because of a more limited uh, because of a more limited allotment. They'll try to make their money back somehow. The other thing is because the other thing is they could tell the players, "Hey, we'll we we cut, you know, we maybe we want to cut the games, but we're going to cut the salaries too." Right? Yeah. They're not going to want to do that. Now, that being said, but it's not going to matter what they want. Uh, the the yeah. owners can unilaterally do it or say to the players, "Well, I guess you don't play." That being said, if you wanted something that kind of maximized revenue from every time they open the gates, mm-hmm you would have a schedule that looked a lot like college baseball. Not in terms of going February to June. I'm saying the schedule would maybe go from late March to early October like it does, and then the playoffs. But what you see in college baseball is it's structured around weekends. You don't see many college baseball games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know why? Because Because they're student-athletes and they have to study. Please. So, what if you had a base? What if baseball were structured to where you had one four-game series every week, and you played Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon? Baseball games are too long. Yeah. The season is too long, and quite frankly, the games in terms of innings are too long. You think it should go back to seven innings? We 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 with millennials who can't get off their phones and have a short attention span. Those are your future customers. Taylor, make your game to them. Because those are the people who are going to be buying tickets if they do it all when they're 60. And let's see if they passed out baseball to their grandkids. You got Taylor, make yourself to the market. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? A very special evening in Nashville tonight. It's more of a music city, but we'll talk about it from a sports perspective on the other side. Also, NFL.com ranked all teams on their 2021 rookie class. Where did the Broncos fall? That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. SmileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. 
presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, NFL.com ranked all teams on their 2021 rookie class. Uh, Have you guys already seen this article, or can I ask you to guess where the Broncos were ranked? I've seen it. I read it. Okay. I uh, I have not seen it. I'm going to say that's because I'm prepared, Mason. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I had a, bu- a busy day today. I'm so, go- so you know what? So did I. Yeah. But I still found time to read it. Yeah. I wasn't reading NFL.com today. I was looking for other stuff. I read NFL.com every day. Good for you. You know what bothers me? They always ask me my location. Why am I giving you my location? They always ask me, Where's, "What's your location? What does it matter?" Same reason why Radio Shack used to ask you for your address when you bought a pack of AA batteries back in the day. Uh, gotcha. okay, of course, so that's go. part of why Radio Shack is out of business. That's Danny, true. I'm going to guess that their rookie class was third. That is a very good guess. They were actually number two. Ooh, who was number one? Behind only the Kansas City Chiefs and the rest of the AFC West, also in the top half of the league. The Raiders were number 11, the Chargers number 13. Uh, what does this tell you about the AFC West, and does it give you any more confidence in George Payton as we approach this year's draft? I mean, I'm, I think we've, we've discussed George Payton quite a bit. I don't think it affects the confidence that you have in any way because I think we have confidence in the ability to get good value from and, and have nice draft finds from each spot. The, the question that hangs over everything is what's the quarterback plan here and uh you know what it, what's going to be a, what's going to be a viable long-term uh plan at that position that it, it's all about that and unfortunately until that is resolved you can't really give George Payton an A for his job just yet but there's there's time he's only been on the job 13 months let's i, I think we have a different perspective on this by this time next year i believe in George Payton i'm on record as saying that i mean I think he can find a quarterback. I think he found the right head coach. He was terrific in the draft. He was really good in free agency. I'm, I'm all in on him. Sometimes it's just nice to have things that you already believe be yep. confirmed. That's how I felt looking at it. Right. So, uh, yeah, definitely have confidence in George Payton. Looking forward to another good draft from him this year. Just in case you missed it, tonight the Nashville Predators will retire Pecorine's number 35 jersey. The retired goaltender was an eighth-round selection in the 2004 NHL Draft by Nashville, played all 13 of his NHL seasons for the Predators, and was the 2017-18 Vezina Trophy winner. Nashville he won is, the Vezina? He did win the Vezina. Yeah. I just like saying Vezina. I know. I'm a child. That's all right. I, I have a sophomoric sense of humor, too, so it makes me I really am. Uh, um, Nashville is a music city first, obviously, but they do have some professional teams there, and Vanderbilt is there as well. So which team do you think has the biggest following there, the most fan loyalty in Nashville? Is it the Predators? Because they've been to a Stanley Cup. Is it the Titans? They've had some pretty good seasons in the last couple of years. Or one of the Vanderbilt programs? None, none I, of the above. 
None of the above. Huh? Uni- University of Tennessee. Yeah, even I'm, though I'm they're down, the campus is down the road in Knoxville. Well, he's, but of the team, he's talking about the teams in Nashville. of the teams in Nashville. It's easily the Titans, right? Because it's a foot, it's a football <laughs> state. My cousin lives there, and it's a Titans town. But they really support the Predators. They do. It's a. I think what we're finding is it's a good sports town because it's, it's a great Na- sports Nashville. Town. Nashville SC, the new club they have in MLS, has great has already shown great support as well. It's why you keep hearing about them being discussed as a Major League Baseball expansion city. Yeah. Because Nashville, on its teams, coming on its pro teams, in terms of providing fanatical support, Nashville's three for three. Yeah. Which tells me that in the D- that Nashville, in its DNA, is just a great sports town. Have you ever gone honky-tonkin'? I wouldn't say I've gone honky-tonkin'. I've been to some of the clubs there, yeah. Well, I mean, that's honky-tonkin'. Yeah. When, but- you go from, when you go from... Place to place to place, all down Broadway. Yeah, I've I've done that. It's a blast. It is like a music. It's a very fun city. Very fun city. I have unbelievable. I have said if you're a Bronco fan and you're thinking what road trip should I take this year, Nashville for the Titans game, that's the one. I'll tell you that's where you should go for a road for a great road weekend this year. Yeah, but you better hold your wallet because it's becoming a very expensive city to travel to. We were going to go see my cousin. Yeah, we were going to play golf. Uh, hotel rooms were starting at about seven fifty. Downtown. Downtown. Yes. Yeah. Usually seven. Chicago's not like that. Yeah. New York's not like that. Seven hundred and fifty dollars for a hotel room. I usually stay at like Marriott by the airport or something. And I drive because it's not well, a long. I want to hang out a, with you. It's a it's a twelve minute drive downtown from there. It's easy. Why is your voice cracking, Peter Brady? I don't know. That was about I got. Night. I got. I, because, is it time to change, uh, or is it time to rearrange? Oh my gosh. That was Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it. Mandy got a stackable washer and dryer from uh, Mountain High Appliance. She said the customer service was fantastic. The price was right. They really took care of her. They're going to do the same thing with you. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, ESPN listed one player from each team that could use a change of scenery. Who do they pick for the Broncos, and do we agree with it? And if we don't, who do we think needs a change of scenery? That's next.